At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. To moon or bust, your home for all things crypto here at Benzinga. My name is Logan Ross, and we've got a great show planned for you today. We're going to be talking about the markets, which are up big time. We're going to be talking about soul bound tokens. One of my good friends, Noah, is doing some research on them right now. He's going to be joining us to tell us all about them. So make sure you stay tuned. We're going to have some huge alpha coming up for you. Once again, this is Moon or Bust. Don't forget to hit the like and subscribe to the channel if you're not already. But without further ado, I'm going to roll the intro and I'll see you shortly. And we are back with Noah McGuire. Noah, thank you so much for hopping on last minute today. We've got a lot of exciting stuff uh, to talk about. But first, I want to hear about you, your background in crypto, and, and what, are the, what are the other things that you study? How do you blend these worlds together? Hey, right on. Well, thank you for having me. So my background in crypto is rooted in, funny enough, like old school uh, MMORPG, MMORPG gaming, like uh Learning about online digital economies through that lens really opened the door. And then once I found out about Bitcoin in mid-high school, I uh, got on the Ethereum train, learned about oracles, learned about these smart contracts, and I really got addicted pretty much. Um, right now, I study computer science and cognitive science, so I'm all about these kinds of system thinking, oriented problems, and really just getting down to the root of how we can do different kind of incentive and game design to make economies work different. That's super cool. I know we've been talking about soulbound tokens. Soulbound tokens are a pretty new thing to be theorized in the Ethereum community. But what what does it mean to bind your soul to an Ethereum token? Right, right. So right now, the way it looks is that you don't have much of a choice. If you um, are to be a recipient of a soulbound token, you're interacting with some sort of issuer. So the issuer could be like an event space or an NFT club. Like if you went to FM for Amsterdam in 2022, the issuer would be with the, um, some council with uh, Ethereum Amsterdam, and they would assign you a reputational sort of like credential, almost like a POAP uh, to your soul, your account on, on Ethereum. And from that, you would be able to use that as a sort of resume or CV to interact with other systems and say, hey, I went to this thing. I interacted mm -hmm. with it in some kind of unique way. Here's proof of that. And you can build some things off of that. So it's less about binding your soul and more about reputation uh, and, and non-transferability, I think, is a big key as well. So with, with typical NFTs, you can send them to your friends, you can trade them, you can buy them. Uh, but with these soulbound tokens, they're non-transferable, right? That's right. Yeah. What, what the aim of soulbound tokens really is to do is to bring sort of like the human soul into Web3. So we don't want, and it seems like the larger Ethereum community doesn't want people to be able to just purchase up and buy up a variety of credential tokens so that they can get into certain access events when they haven't mm -hmm. duly owned it or, or um, rightfully earned it. So, yeah. So All I can kind of think of, a, a Web2 example of this might be like LinkedIn endorsements, right? 
and, and those are non-transferable. You need to have, uh, you know, your own account to give somebody a reputation credit. Uh, and those are all public, but blockchain can take this to another level and make it scale uh, a, a lot more simply. But that is if we can index the blockchain correctly, if we can make these soulbound tokens efficient enough to really deliver that reputation without too much of a hassle. So what has to really go into this uh, to, uh, you know, scale this system to make soulbound tokens useful? Uh, and what are you working on in the in the space specifically? Right. So I'll address the first part of the question first. Um, that being, what do we really need to do to make soulbound tokens really useful, sort of widespread and effective? Um, there are a few use cases that are have been that were proposed in the paper by Buterin and um, I forget the second author, but in the Finding Web3 Soul paper, they propose different kinds of governance. So doing quadratic governance based on these soulbound tokens, based on these de demographic sets um, to better fund projects on Gitcoin, um, to avoid cyber attacks um, on Gitcoin using different correlation scores for whether or not a person has had a soulbound token for a long enough time or whether or not they're a part of a larger set of soulbound tokens that allows you to say, okay, you're a legitimate member of some community. Others include just decomposing property rights into sort of unitary form. Um, I think one of the most exciting parts of the soulbound token like research is the idea that of doing uh, airdrops based on soulbound tokens. So. At present, you could do a you could do an airdrop based on just a, an arbitrary address list. However, with soulbound tokens, if you get everyone that went to some events or participated in some hackathon into some list, and based on their qualities and based on the soulbound tokens that they earned through that event and even previous events, you can create a very customized airdrop for that community itself. Um, yeah, so it gives you a really good look into the sort of human side of Web3 to really see who the developers are, who the people that are interacting with that community are, what are the sort of cultural and social aspects of their like address on Ethereum that makes them human, that makes them a part of the community, and then integrating different means of governance and different means of just um, unique property rights and NFT rights based on that. Could this be proof of individualism or you know proof of ownership? like connected or tied to uh, a human instead of just a, an anonymous wallet address because a, a lot of the fundamentals of crypto or of, of ethereum would be like hey you could do all this anonymously uh, but in reality the whole thing is public so anybody who uh, you know can fo follow the the little trail follow the cookie crumbs uh, can maybe figure out what's actually going on and so because of this we've had a lot of people who have doxed their wallets they've you know said hey this is my address the, you know we have uh, Ethereum name service, which people are tying their actual names to their wallets. Uh, but this can kind of take it to another level, you think? Oh, absolutely. I think um, if you have a widespread like use of soulbound tokens to define some group of, of people that work on Ethereum, really any kind of um, on-chain system, then you have a pretty direct um, means of looking into their very human, very intricate lives. And from that, there is a kind of extractive potential. You could use it as a panopticon and say, okay, um, based on the credit history or the um, work history of your of your group and of you, we're going to deny or allow some sort of access right. And of course, that's the crux mm -hmm. of the entire Solvon token paradigm. But there is the possibility of it turning into a sort of panopticon. And the worry there is that systems that are sort of native to Web2, where these larger companies own your information, the worry there is that that sort of um, game and that sort of interaction between um, larger data providers and the individual themselves is that with Soulbound tokens, there will be a better means, uh, a more precise means of identifying different groups, their activities and their behaviors, and then determining some determining some sort of um, affect function to you know further extract um, information and and value from that group or to predict systems based off of those people's and their souls. One of the interesting things that you just mentioned was credit systems. Um, this is very generally a, a system for crediting people with different skills, but also uh, it could be a more traditional credit system like a credit score um, that's used for lending. We have a, a huge lending market in crypto right now, but it is all over collateralized. Are soulbound tokens the key to enabling under collateralized loans on blockchain? They very well could be. If you are, if you wanted to integrate soulbound tokens into a DAO and based on a certain grouping of, of accounts that had a certain subset 
of sold on tokens say that we're going to see xyz events and we know each other in real life we can then set up our own individual pools on a DeFi protocol and based on this, the composition of soul bound tokens we can use less collateralized loans even with people that are developers from halfway around the world that we might not necessarily know but know they've gone to these certain events and have a certain skin in the game of a different protocol or of a different ecosystem and based on the sort of credentials that those soul bound tokens denote you can say okay we'll give you a better deal on this uh, on this lending protocol or will facilitate some kind of transaction that, that gives you a sort of benefit of the doubt and the in how much you have to collateralize. Is this a trust system for a trustless blockchain? It's maybe it's a way of representing trust of representing because really trust is is very much it's it's social, right? It's whether or not you can see another person and identify with some part of their person enough mm -hmm. to say, okay, I can trust you to do something. And SBTs are a pretty great representation of that. Um, you can trust a developer to develop something if they have the credentials to do so. LinkedIn is, is as you said, it's a great example of that, as is every part of the current workforce. You have to have a pretty extensive resume. You have to be able to do the thing that you can do, that you are trying to do. So yes, you, excuse me, these SBTs are sort of means of bringing trust onto a trustless system to say, okay, we don't need purely protocol in order to engage with one another as communities living on protocol. Interesting. So you are considering doing some research or, or working on a, a project uh, in the SBT space. Could you maybe break that down for us? Right. Yeah. It's really just in the earliest stages. We're uh, just doing it as a sort of summer project with the club. And uh, yeah, it's the crux of it is that we want to create a taxonomy, a sort of framework to view SBT like systems. So any sort of social credit or credentialing system on a blockchain, we want to create a lens for that so that when developed, these sorts of SBT systems can have a consistent um, lexicon for how they're described. And from that consistent lexicon, uh, we can derive a sort of qualitative frame framework to measure and analyze the um, movement of, of resources given these different governance mechanisms and incentive design mechanism, mechanisms made possible by Solbon tokens. Is being early to important soulbound systems important or could it be? Oh, it really well could be. I mean, it's, I mean, proof is in the pudding for how valuable credit-based systems are. There's already been so much work done in, I mean, in every country in the world that has any sort of credit-based system. Um, in America, the insurance system is greatly reliant on, on AI and machine learning. It's only becoming more advanced to perfectly uh, predict how much one person should be able to be covered based on their history of of credits based on their person. And if you want to get into the larger, maybe more panoptic level, you have China with their social base, social credit system, social credit score system. And I think there's a place for them in almost every company, almost every DAO, almost every organization. And they don't have to look purely extractive. They can be means of creating positive sum games for employees, positive sum games for communities to engage with a certain kind of culture, with a certain kind of set of practices um, that's beneficial in the long run. What are the biggest use cases of soulbound tokens that have been launched so far? Gosh, I really am not sure if any soulbound tokens have been launched properly yet. Is in the paper, they, yeah. they mentioned airdrops, they mentioned like um, pretty much education credentials. I'm almost certain that there has to be some kind of work being done on the smart contract research forum, thinking about a way to bridge um, all the pr current POAPs from uh, all these different Ethereum events into a frame that enables like a soul boundedness. So either either reissuing current credential NFTs or um, developing a system where you won't have to reissue and instead the, those POAPs and other NFTs that represent credentials will be able to just to uh, be used as soulbound tokens. So interesting. So we could have a lot of our current NFTs be become sort of soulbound reputation tokens. It could be. I mean, uh, any sort of NFT that you have now is a bundle of metadata that represents that you were somewhere interacting somehow with something. And even mm -hmm. if you just bought a picture on the internet, it's it's a representation enough that you were in a social space and. Um, a part of a of, of a network that that enabled you to buy that thing. So if if you wanted to go on Discord 
or if a, if a mod on Discord wanted to scrape the Discord information and say, okay, this person's been posting with us and then has their own NFT of the project that we work on, they can combine that into some kind of Soulbound token to say, okay, this person is like X level of member into this community and therefore has access to X degree of airdrop or X degree of reputation once we open ourselves up to governance. Interesting. And maybe if we could do a, like a high level overview of what governance is uh, and how it's useful, particularly for DAOs, and we can kind of shift our conversation into DAOs through that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So when we talk about governance and blockchain, we're really talking about getting a bunch of people together and signing a transaction or agreeing to sign a certain transaction um, or agreeing on how to govern the DAO or collection of individuals themselves. Um, hmm. What do you want to talk about first? Do you want to talk about like the um, sort of how votes get done or how um, different kind of voting mechanisms or what should we do? So let me let me pose this as a question is sure. what governance tokens, uh, I guess governance tokens generally are uh, just a token that gives you a voting credit. But how could soulbound tokens uh, be used to more accurately and efficiently govern a system, perhaps giving uh, certain soulbound tokens more voting rights or less voting rights or the ability to earn voting rights? Right. I mean, those three ideas, being able to earn and the sort of fractional or variable degree or weight of different ownership tokens, of soulbound tokens in a governance system, that pretty much encompasses how they can be integrated. If you have some very core side of the protocol, like um, of, I say protocols, though it's the only thing that can be governed or a DAO or a different off-chain organization. If you want to use Soulbound tokens to govern the core functionality of your organization, you're going to want people that have um, soul-based credentials that are in line with either the most core aims of the organization or mm -hmm. um, have enough weight in the external aspects of the organization, like have been with the organization for a long enough time that their accumulation of soulbound tokens of a lesser degree gives them enough weight to say that, okay, based on my experience, the way that you're changing the protocol or the core function and design of, of your organization is going to be antithetical to what you've been doing and how we've been doing things. So this weighting thing, you have this sort of centrality idea. You have these two attractors uh, for an organization, uh, the sort of static side of things and the dynamic side of things. If you want to take like a protocol, for example, you could say the cryptographic um, consensus is very much so static for how, I mean, it can be updated through, you know, the consensus mechanisms that are in place, but it is one of the more static things. So people that are going to be voting on how a cryptographic protocol changes and is updated, those people would have souls that are cryptographically oriented. They're um, either Poaps and degrees from genuine colleges, different token engineering credentials, um, different experiences. And based on those experiences, you can subgroup those people into working groups that best fit their mode of experience and their mode of work. On the other side of that spectrum, you have more dynamic sides of the organization. And uh, the SBTs of those realms would look something more like how well you can engage people, uh, maybe working groups for very small scale problems, and so SBTs that do, would denote like hierarchical leadership in those more dynamic groups would be something like problem solving, team communication, and other sort of fast and loose kind of uh, representations of credential. Yeah, yeah. So do we? Do you see? Uh, and this is a question I don't think I know the answer to. Is sure. are these soulbound tokens going to be an ERC standard, uh, or are we going to see a bunch of different? soulbound token issuers pop up right i get the feeling they're going to attempt to do an erc standard i think that would make mm -hmm. the most sense if they're going to be integrated in all layers of ethereum then probably an erc standard is the way to go i haven't been up to date with um, whether or not one is being cooked up right now i believe they do mention in the paper though that an erc standard is probably the way to go very interesting and i'm just going to pull up this paper that we keep referencing sure. um so that we can take a look at it here. All right, how does that look? Great. All right, cool. So here we have Soulbound by Vitalik. This came out January 26th. Is this the post that you're referring to or is there a, a different? There's paper? a, if you go on Google, Google Scholar or something like that, if you look up decentralized society, it's like a full blown, like maybe 20, 25 page paper. It has a good appendix for how these different sort of governance things could be enacted. 
um, really, really fleshes out the idea of plural goods and um, soul bound property rights. Yep, that's the one. All right. I'm going to drop a link to this in the chat. We don't have yeah. time to go over all 26 pages today, but we can maybe look at Vitalik's blog post. Um, this is interesting. So it was by Vitalik and Glenn Wilde. This dude wrote uh, a book that I really like called Radical Markets. It was actually one that Vitalik recommended. Uh, it was the reason that I ended up buying it and reading it. Uh, basically, this book is about you know, shifting entire governments over to blockchain systems and oh, yeah. uh, some real deep research on what taxes could look like, uh, what voting could look like on blockchain-based systems. If this is something that's interesting to you, definitely check it out. Glenn Weil, uh, same guy that, that wrote this one. Maybe there'll be a sequel coming out. We also had Vitalik announce that he's writing a book. Um, called proof of stake. Did you see it about that? Oh yeah, I mean it's just the whole shtick about how Ethereum was developed and yeah, you know, the making in philosophy. Yeah, philosophy of blockchains. We've we've talked a bit about the philosophy of blockchains. Um, what from a high level? Why is philosophy even a topic when it comes to blockchain? Mm -hmm. uh, and what does the end game look like here? Yeah. Right. Man, why is philosophy important? It's like that's a that's a deep. I can get metaphysical in that, and man, I don't know how to go. <laughs> but what, how to go how does how route. does it how does philosophy apply to blockchain? I mean, we have governance systems right. that are making decisions that affect other people, right? Yeah, yeah. So, what are some of the I mean, situations we've seen arise in the history of Ethereum where there have been intense philosophical debates surrounding it? Man. I guess one option would be like the DAO hack, right? Um, that, that's what I was going to go to. Yeah, right, right. Because you had people that were saying, okay, we fork it and we just go hard left and say, okay, different split, everybody gets their money back. Um, or we do the other thing and <clears throat> just let it be as it is. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let it be as it is. So there are different thoughts concerning the degree of decentralization and the degree of trust. I think really that is what encompasses uh, the importance of philosophy for blockchain is what arguments do we have for the degree of trust in these kinds of systems that we're using to inter disintermediate that kind of trust? Um, if we want to ascribe to a philosophy that can put more faith, let's say, in the systems that we're relying on for information, for really sort of oracle systems, I should say, mm -hmm. the philosophy, um, if it's more lax, will maybe take a more centralized route to uh, getting that information on chain. And the opposite holds true if you hold a more decentralized um, and sort of philosophy. And of course, it'll vary as you get into different modes of how you govern, how you do incentive design. Sometimes there is a place for centralization on chain. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, point that there is definitely a place for centralization on chain. I mean, if products need to be developed, you need a centralized team developing mm -hmm. them. Um, decentralization is, I think, commonly mistaken as the first step of blockchain applications when right. often it should be the last. Um, otherwise, it's just too difficult to make things go. Um, one philosophical topic I would like to, to chat about for a little bit is the idea of quadratic voting. Um, so for those in the audience who are unfamiliar with quadratic voting, uh, basically, imagine a world or a system where you are assigned to your to your wallet or to your soulbound token, perhaps uh, one or ten voting credits each year. We'll just go with ten for the sake of example, uh, and you can use those voting credits on the presidential election or on an individual uh, topic discussion, perhaps gun control. Right? Uh, I think we just got demonetized. Shit. Um, <laughs> so you can in this quadratic voting system, you can both vote for and against policies. This way, theoretically, the least hated outcome will always win. Uh, but what makes this even more interesting is that with you can place one vote and that will cost one voting credit. If you want to place a second vote on the same topic, you can, but it will cost the square. So your second vote costs four credits. Your third vote costs nine credits. So you could drop all three of your vote or all 10 of your credits on one specific issue. You could save them up over time. Uh, you can do all sorts of crazy different things in a, in a world where this is the case. But the idea of quadratic voting is to take the power away from people who use exorbitant amounts of money to buy huge amounts of voting power. This would uh, you know, effectively root Take the square root of your your capital and, and make that the limit on your voting capabilities. Did I explain that well, Noah? 
No, you have hits on the head. You said what? Hits it right on the head. That's that's dead on. Okay, perfect. So, where do you see quadratic voting uh, coming into play in the real world? Is there some type of? Uh, I mean, we we have quadratic voting systems for DAOs, um, but do you do you see them ever being used by a, a real government? Mm -hmm. I mean, I definitely could. Um, in the next few years, I don't doubt that central bank digital currencies begin to take the world stage and the use of them and the application of them in a certain jurisdiction. I'm sure some countries that are more um, progressive concerning crypto assets, they'll begin to take on a sort of a sandbox regulatory approach. And with that, I think they're going to try implementing these sort of quadratic funding mechanisms in their higher levels of government and eventually even down to the public scale. So allowing people to vote with a certain um, sort of like central bank token on these public goods um, using quadratic funding so that the lowest dregs of society can say, hey, um, we'd like we'd like to see something good service so that generally um, you have more of a um, bottom up sort of system of governance, or at least at least in decision making for public goods. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, I think that that could be a very dramatic shift for society to uh, really, I mean, when you have the control, when you have way more control of what you're voting on and how your votes are used, um, you know, I would feel personally that, that my vote was worth more if I was trusted to, you know, use it in a more efficient and, you know, elaborate system, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, Let's talk about the University of Michigan, where we both went, where we connected, uh, and where we're building a few products. One of those is the MDAO, but the other one is Wolverine Blockchain, which you are now taking over this year. Um, I, I just want to hear from your perspective, how do you see the interest in crypto and blockchain on campus? Oh, man. I think it's almost a household sort of topic at this point. It's, it's gone through multiple cycles of cycles of hype and sensationalism but what's left from that is that a bunch of smart people just decided to do some research on their own and even if they've only looked into the buzzwords the buzz generally that's growing in the population is coming out of the campuses and these kids that are coming out of high school and the kids that are here on campus already are becoming more and more interested in the way that their domain intersects with the um the world of blockchain mm -hmm. you know triple entry accounting and these sorts of accounting systems are um, applicable in almost every domain where you have to manage trust or you have to intermediate trust. So people are going to start realizing, and they have already been realizing that really everything that they're doing can intersect with blockchain in one way or another. So I think the interest is growing for sure. Yeah, I think that it's taking time. Obviously, it takes time for people to realize that all these other uh, industries do have an intersection with blockchain. Um, I think that's one of the things that that we both found interesting about blockchain to begin with is that uh, well, the more you read, the more you realize that it does lie in the middle of everything. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's core to how we I mean, organize ourselves. And that's pretty much everything, right? 
yeah, if you could speak more to, uh, you know, how this could potentially be realized as the center of everything. Obviously, there's there's governance, there's philosophy, there's economics, there's mm-hmm. computer science, uh, yeah. there's even medicine. Right? We can we can find a way to have blockchain intersect the middle of all these circles. Um, you think that the actually I'm going to change my question. Is there anything that blockchain doesn't intersect? <laughs> oh man, touching grass, that's about it. And even that you can tokenize grass, right? You can tokenize, you know, access to grass. It's uh, that'd be that'd be dystopic, but yeah, no. Uh, it's it's hard to say. Funny. It's hard to say. Um if anything really can't be touched by blockchain because I mean everything you see in front of you right now, everything you see behind me had a supply chain and a very complex administrative system went into the production of that and getting it into my own home. And the other million mm-hmm. steps that came that were in between that and blockchain makes all of those processes, every single iota of administration and supply chain, it makes it more efficient, more transparent, totally immutable, um, just hyper efficient. So really everything that is produced that wasn't made by hand by an artisan can be brought into a world that's ran by blockchain. It's fascinating. Then, no, I want to I wanna open it up to you. Are there any particular topics of discussion that have been interesting you lately? Uh, any questions you have for me in our last few minutes before you have to run? Yeah, right on. Gosh, I um, I guess just more on the SBTs. I've been thinking, and this is sort of the crux of the, of the project that we're working on this summer, is just trying, I mean, pretty much trying to get down to the root of everything and then making sure that the root of everything is not constructed in a way that makes zero-sum sort of conflict-oriented and like almost slavery-oriented, like debt slavery or information slavery-oriented games of possibility. So I'm really just trying to get down to the root of how we make sure that um, these soulbound tokens and these complex representations of humanity on-chain are totally sovereign, are... I mean, they're to- making sure that they're totally sovereign while being able to derive all of the value from seeing how those complex systems interact with one another. Um, particularly, I'm excited about um, agent-based modeling for different DAOs, um, this and that. Really, we can touch on a variety of these things. Is there anything else you want to add? No, I'll leave it up to you. What is, what is right, agent-based we're... modeling? Yeah, right, right. So agent-based modeling is like, it's a field of, I guess you could call it mathematics or physics, but it's like basically coding. Um, are you familiar with uh, Conway's Game of Life? Uh, like the board game? Not, nah, not the board game. Okay, like cellular autonomous. It's like it's like if you have a chessboard and a checkerboard, and the way that these squares go black or white is determined okay. by the interaction of squares around them. You can get these okay. really complex shapes going on um, that that self replicate and go in these different patterns, but. So, um, talking about infinite tilings, k- kind of not not quite a tessellation, but it's like these. Um, it's like basically coding ants. You know, if you were if you wanted to code an ant okay. colony and simulate that, it's that's in each ant is an agent, and okay. simulation of that would be the a, a pretty pretty solid example of agent based modeling. So doing that with these kinds of systems like um, that are enabled by social credit systems, you could really get an idea a predictive model for how people act and how people behave when they're interacting with these different incentive systems. Um, I guess my concern with that is, is the capacity for, you know, powers that have a a higher sort of scope or more resources to view um, all of the different dynamics of these organizations to really get a better idea of the behavior of these different organizations without necessarily having to put forth any stake or allow their orientation to be represented by the people whose behavior they're extracting. So Mm. getting the data sovereignty side of this down is important to me and making Mm -hmm. sure that these different communities whose behavior is being represented and and measured in some way by these social credit systems, making sure that those are properly shielded or at least properly I shouldn't say properly because properly is a bit of a misnomer, but the um, <laughs> making sure that those communities have full well, full access over over what right. other communities and what other organizations can see their like agentic behavior. So agent-based model. Yeah. Yeah, and it, like if I could 
maybe break that down a little bit for the audience. It's like, we wouldn't want Google to just go look at all the data of all the soulbound tokens and all the credit that people have, you know, developed on these systems. They'd, we wouldn't want Google to just go take all that data and monetize the shit out of it, right? Uh, at least without the community having their own incentive in place. So that is a, that's a fascinating uh, you know, topic, and maybe you'll have to come back on another time, uh, and we can get into it a little bit more. Especially yeah, right, once right. you've got some more of this research paper going. Uh, yep. But no, I know you have to run. Thank you so much for stopping by today. Where can the audience go to connect with you uh, and follow along with the work that you're up to? Right. So my Twitter handle is Fire McGuire J, and if you want to follow the Wolverine Blockchain account, it is Wolverine DLT on Twitter. So yeah, awesome. if you follow the Wolverine blockchain account, we are going to be uploading <clears throat> some informative series once we get a rebrand done um, throughout this summer. And yeah, more to come. Um, we've got a bolt, we've got a notion page. If any of you go to the University of Michigan and are interested in joining, please hit us up. Um, same thing if you're a business or a some blockchain oriented organization and would like to do sponsorship or partnership, general education things, uh, you can take a look at us on notion, um, which you can find on the Twitter. So yeah. Awesome. Thank Certainly. you so much, Noah. Thank you for Enjoyed. having me. It's been a pleasure. All right. I'll see you next time. All right. Bye-bye. Alrighty, guys. I hope you enjoyed that interview. I thought it was really interesting, and a lot of it was over my head. I'll have to do some more research on these soulbound tokens. But drop a comment down below uh, if you want us to talk about those more in the future. Uh, but we do have the markets to talk about, which are ripping. We have ETH up over 11% today. I'm about to share my screen uh, and we'll get into it for a little bit. Uh, I want to make a call out real quick is if you are trading with fees, you have to stop. Just make an FTX US account. Link in the description. Top link below. Uh, make an FTX US account and stop wasting money on trading fees when you really don't need to at all. Uh, all right, here we have Ethereum paired against the US dollar and it is currently worth 1,476 US dollars for one single ether. Can you believe it? Uh, drop a comment down below and let me know. What coins are you looking at this week? Is it just ether? Is it just Bitcoin? Uh, and particularly the big question I have is what do you make of the Bitcoin ether pair right now? We've seen uh, ether on an absolute tear and Bitcoin is not up to much. Uh, Bitcoin is at 21,898 US dollars, uh, not up as much as Ether has. Maybe this is something to do with the merge, but I want to hear your guys' thoughts below. I'm going to pull up the Bitcoin ETH chart, uh, and I'm just going to let the Jeopardy music play in my head while you guys have a chance to, to comment down below. Uh, all right, we're, so we're approaching this, this bull market support band, which I think is interesting. This could be a signal that... Bitcoin is about to take off in comparison to Ether, uh, but it could also mean a lot of other things. So I'm going to zoom out to the daily candles so we can get a little bit more perspective on this pair here. And I guess this is the spooky swap exchange, which is probably not the way to go. Um, let's see. BTC, Ether pair uh, on Binance. Boom. This will be a little bit better, hopefully. Please, please. Thank you. Okay, here we go. Bitcoin paired over ETH Bitcoin. What the heck? This is a confusing chart, man. Um, let's just try to do a BTC ETH or ETH over BTC. Crypto cap trading view. All right, cool. Here we go. This looks about right. Uh, so we have ETH absolutely ripping against Bitcoin. Uh, we've been in kind of this channel here for a while. I'll put some lines down. Uh, and then I'm going to check the comments in just a second. All right. No comments. Guys, drop a comment. I'm sitting up here alone because Ryan's doing class. I need y'all to help me out here. Okay. Uh, we have the markets moving for the first time in crypto in eight months. And there's no comments. Jesus. Jesus is much needed in our society today. Um, okay. So... We see it hitting this bull market support band. We've seen it go over. We've seen it get rejected by it. Uh, but right now it's sitting there. So this is definitely a moment of, uh, this is an important moment. Moment it could be, uh, we, we, we could take off here. We could get rejected by this line. Uh, this is a combination of the 20-week uh, EMA and the 21-week SMA. 
Uh, might be flipped on those two. But regardless, this has been an important metric for most cryptocurrencies throughout their entire lifespans. We see, uh, we know a lot of us thought that the ETH was about to flip Bitcoin when it passed this five, the 0.5 mark. Uh, but clearly that didn't happen. That was December. That was uh, the start of this downfall that we've been in for the last eight months where Ether has bled against Bitcoin the entire time until now. Until now, this is quite a significant movement, uh, and it's something that I am paying attention to for sure. Uh, I'll pull up Coin Market Cap so we can take a look at the coins you guys want to today. Uh, st still in one year winter, nobody cares about the coins. It's okay, I don't blame you, Aaron. Uh, all right, Matic. Uh, another good before we look at Matic, another good point not trusting any rallies until we get a bit further into the bear market. I think that's wise. Um, but I also can't help but get a little bit excited when we have a plus 10%. Um, all right. CQED wants to look at Matic. I'm a large Matic bull. Personally, I have a big Matic position. Uh, so this is not financial advice. This is just my opinion. And obviously, I'm going to be bullish. Holy shit, we're at up 22% on the day for Matic at 91 cents. This coin is ripping. Let's zoom out. We saw Disney partner with Matic uh, just the last week. That was huge news. I think that's maybe right around here. Uh, but over the last day, we've seen a huge spike in Matic from 75 cents to 95 cents. John, I hope you hear me. Matic is at 95 cents. We're going to be rich. Um, but yeah, Matic is a layer two scaling solution for Ethereum. They announced the launch of their new Hermes blockchain. Uh, we talked about that a little bit on Friday's show. So go check that out if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, right on the Benzinga channel, which I know you're already subscribed to, but make sure uh, you are if you aren't. But we have a, a Mooner Bus playlist where you can see all the episodes. Uh, we talked about this on Friday's episode to see if we can get an update today. It looks like it's going to be coming out sooner than later. Uh, let's click on this learn more button and see what it says. Open source. Why do I, I don't have to create an account. It's blockchain. More than 90% transfer cost reduction compared to the Ethereum mainnet. So uh, this this blockchain here is a layer two scalability solution for Ethereum. Basically, the idea is, you know, so so say this is Ethereum right here, the top of my laptop, right? It can only process so many transactions. Uh, but imagine we have another network right above it, right above it, boom, right there, and we have a bunch of transactions. Uh, this this network on top is a bit more scalable, a bit more open, so a lot of more transactions can go through it. You take those transactions, you bundle them up, you shrink the data, and then boom, you submit it back to the mainnet. That's how a rollup works. This is a zero-knowledge rollup, which is a specific kind of cryptography they're using to batch these transactions and shrink the data when they submit it back to the mainnet. That way, you can do what it says here, 90% uh, transfer cost reduction. It will make these transfers, these interactions on chain 90% cheaper than they would be on the Ethereum mainnet. This might be one of the reasons that Polygon is ripping today. This blockchain will also use the Matic token that is native to the current side chain of Polygon, which uh, I know you guys are familiar with already, um, but let's just check it out. Polygon.technology, uh, no, I want Polygon.wallet. I think that's the one. Hopefully I don't get scammed here. All right, Polygon, wallet.polygon.technology. Here we go, so we can see the bridge to Polygon. If you want to send your stuff over to the Polygon network, I'm going to load up a wallet right here and connect it to the website. I'm going to sign all my crypto away. And here we see we can send it to the Polygon chain. This is transfer mode to the, uh, the proof of stake bridge that they have built here. Uh, and we can get into how it works if you guys want. But for the time being, let's go back to price movements. Let's go back to trading. Um, Polygon has a lot of exciting stuff on the horizon. We mentioned that Disney partnership as well, but up 21% on the day. Cannot complain about that one. Polygon deserves to be in the top 10, in my opinion. Uh, and it's good to see it getting closer to that mark. Uh, Tether is at 99 cents. Uh, we're all going to die. Uh, USDC is at 99 cents. What's going on, guys? Stop depegging. At least Binance US dollar is at $1. Uh, $1 still, as it should be in the name. 
Ripple's at 35 cents, up 10% on the week. Solana up 14% on the week, up 5% today. Matic is up 55% on the seven day. I'm glad I've been bag holding this one. I sold some of my Ether positions, uh, but I refuse to let go of my Matic. I'm too bullish on scaling and zero knowledge scaling solutions and the partnerships that Polygon has to let this one go from my portfolio. Uh, I'm going to check the comments one more time. Uh, nibble if your time horizon is 10 plus years, of course. Yes, yes, yes. Always DCA. You never want to throw your entire bag at a position at once. It's just not wise. Uh, DCA means dollar cost average. It means spread out your buys, set automatically, uh, set, you can set automatic weekly recurring buys or sells, and then just forget about it. Um, that is definitely the, the safest and lowest risk way to go when you're playing in crypto. Obviously, crypto is high risk at all times, but that's probably why you're watching the show. If it is, smash the like button, let us know, and make sure you sign up for an FTX account to save on those trading fees while you're down there. Uh, this is the time to watch who is surviving and getting attention. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Aaron. Uh, this is definitely the time where... You know, we separate from the, the Busters, from the Charlie Browns. We're going to find out who is here to stay and who will be shaken out. Um, interesting, we have AVAX up 23% today. I thought we would kind of see that alternative layer one narrative die down a little bit. Maybe, maybe they pivoted to the layer two network. You know, these guys are good at riding the hype train. Uh, and they're also just there's cool people in general. We've had John Wu from Avalanche on before so if you want to learn more about that blockchain make sure you head over to the moon or bless moon or bust playlist where you can see that interview and a bunch of other ones including ones with shiba inu uh no uniswap interview yet that's one we got to get on the list uh if, if anybody has a connection at uniswap make sure to plug us in we'd love to talk to hayden or any of those guys over there uh ftx token doing great up 12 percent on the week that will also uh, give you some perks on their platform once you sign up for no fee trading um let's see what else is moving ethereum classic up 50 percent on the week that is classic um let's see let's see algorand up 15 percent on the week what else is moving apecoin up 25 percent on the week thank goodness Thank goodness. Ave up 22% on the week. Quant up 30% on the week. I'm um, not used to seeing all these green numbers here on CoinMarketCap. Honestly, it feels great. It's been eight months uh, and it's about damn time. Curve up 31%. Loopering up 7%. Arweave up 30%. Lido Dow up 124%. Interesting one. But we are getting into the pretty small market caps at this point. I remember when the top 100... Uh, we're all in the billions, but not anymore. Now we have very few projects that have passed that, excuse me, billion dollar market cap line. And we're probably going to see, a, excuse me, a few more fall out before we uh, really see the, the total crypto market cap start to pick up. We're less than a trillion dollars right now, uh, but not by too much. Crypto market cap could go back over a trillion pretty soon. Uh, but I think that as, you know, regulatory clarity comes in, that's going to be the thing that really pushes it over. We need... Uh, you know, more people with access to blockchain networks. CBDCs could even do this, which, you know, I hate to say, but it is true. Uh, and I'll jump back to the comments. Let's see. We have a question from Buglog. How high do you see Matic going in the next five years? That's a great question. Let me pull it up one more time so that I can do a little bit more comprehensive look and give you an educated guess. And mind you, this is a guess. So circulating supply of Matic is 80%. That's, a, that's something that I love to see. That means there is not a whole lot of the token that's going to be issued to be dumped. Uh, max supply is 10 million tokens, um, and 80% of them are already in circulation. That's a good thing. Uh, so let's see. Our current market cap, $7.3 billion for Matic. Uh, and I think that within five years, we could see Matic, let's see, somewhere in the range of Ethereum's current market cap, which is 23 billion. So calculating that, given that, we're gonna look at our fully diluted market caps here. Uh, actually, no, I was looking at volume. That's a crazy amount of volume. Wow, um, okay, so let me back up. Market cap of Ether, 180 billion. Market cap of Polygon, 7 billion. Uh, so conservatively, what is that? 
3x 30x math is tough uh that's a 30x more or less and that is uh maybe where i could see it going so what would that be per coin 30 dollars. i don't see i don't think that's impossible five years from now i think that uh, you know, my personal price target for Polygon is 10 bucks. I'll be happy if we can get it to 10 bucks. It was at 250 uh, during the peak. Obviously, it fell back down, but it's not out of the question. Okay, $10 Matic is not out of the question at all. $20 Matic, five years from now, I think that might be a little bit more realistic. I'm going to take back the $30 call. I'm going to go for $20, but we could see, uh, you know, a blow off top somewhere around $30. Nothing is out of the question. And who knows how much a dollar is going to be worth at that point, you know? I don't. All right. Any other coins you guys want me to take a look at today? Otherwise, I might wrap up the show a few minutes early, uh, if that's okay with you all. I appreciate everybody who hung around uh, throughout the entire episode today. Uh, really appreciate you guys. Zinger Nation. Love you guys a whole bunch. Make sure you come back on Friday. We have another show going on. Um, but with that out of the way, I don't see any more comments or requests for new tokens. I'm probably just going to wrap it up here. Thank you everyone for tuning in to Moon or Bust, your home for all things crypto here at Benzinga. Make sure you drop a like if you haven't yet and subscribe to the channel if you're not already. As always, uh, follow me on Twitter. I'll drop my profile real quick. If you haven't connected with me there, you most definitely should. Uh, shoot me a DM if you're a frequent viewer of the show. I'd love to get in touch and uh, maybe set up a Zoom call, introduce myself. Um, we're here for Zinger Nation. Thank you, Lord Byron, for tuning in, as always. Thank you to Aaron, Brian, Buglog, all the OGs who have been tuning in for years. I see you. I see you, and I appreciate you. All right, that's it for today. Thank you so much. Peace. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.